Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew, Bible teacher and pastor of Grace Valley Christian Center located in Davis, California. Today, Pastor Matthew continues in the Bible series on the book of Hebrews with this message entitled, Key to Happiness, Read or God. If you have your Bible with you, please turn to Hebrews chapter 13. Now, here's our teacher, Pastor P.G. Matthew. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We believe that every word in the Bible is spoken by you. And every word in the Bible is full of your authority. And it is given to us for our great profit. It is given to furnish us. We are empty of furniture. We are empty of competence. Thank you, O God, for your word. It is profitable for teaching, and we need teaching. It is profitable for rebuke. We need rebuke today because we have turned away from your way. Correction, Lord, bring us back to the right way by the use, powerful use of your holy word. And we need training in righteousness. Training in godliness, which is profitable in this life and in the life to come. And you have given us your scripture that every Christian may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. The scripture discloses us what is pleasing to you. And when we do what is pleasing to you, we are blessed. So help us, O Lord, to open our hearts that the seed of your word may fall into our hearts as the seed falls into good soil to produce good fruit, 30, 60, 100 full fruit. Lord, we want to produce fruit, more fruit and much fruit for the glory of God our Father. Therefore, O Lord, may your spirit enable me and may your spirit enable your people in the preaching and the hearing of your word, which is life. In Jesus' name, amen. Key to happiness, greed or God. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. The great 19th century English Baptist preacher, C.H. Spurgeon, spoke of people confessing many sins to him. Yet he declared he had never heard anyone confessing the sin of covetousness. It appears that the West largely has exchanged Christianity for the religion of mammon, that is materialism. Yet Jesus said no one can serve two masters. The Western man used to say in God we trust. Now he trusts in money and the pleasure money can buy. He thinks the key to happiness is greed, not the father. Of our Lord Jesus Christ. He seeks security in money. Lot of money. He does not know riches deceives. 
The Bible speaks about deceitfulness of riches. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 opposes covetousness, opposes materialism. So these verses tell us, let your life be without love of money. Be content with what you presently have. Key to true contentment and real happiness is not greed, but the God of the scriptures. St. Augustine was right. Our hearts are restless until they find more money. No, until they find rest in God. And I say until they find rest in the cross of Christ. Only Jesus Christ can give rest to all who come to him. Jesus Christ was poor. Yet he was the happiest man ever lived. The key to his happiness was not gold, but the Father. St. Paul was poor, yet he learned to be content with Christ. And I speak to you this morning, hear the word of the Lord, and be content, and be happy. Jesus delivers us from all anxiety. All anxiety due to our thirst for material things. I say drink from Jesus the water of life. My father used to tell me all who drink from the well of this world shall thirst again. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength not gold. The writer told us previously in terms of the application of the doctrine he expounded. In the first 12 chapters. Love your brothers. Love strangers. Love prisoners. Love your spouse. And now he tells us love God. And not money. Three things I want to speak to you. First the command of God. Second is the comfort of God. And third is the confession of faith. That we make. In light of God's word. First command is keep your life from the love of money. Money is not evil. And capitalism is not evil. It is the love of money that is condemned here. Jesus said in his sermon on the mount. Pagans run after these things. Who are pagans? Those without God and without hope in the world. Jesus said in Luke 16 and verse 14, Pharisees were lovers of money. They stored up treasures on earth where rust, moth, thieves, fire, and inflation destroyed them. The rich man of Luke 16 had no time to read the scriptures, Moses and the prophets, and find the way of salvation. He trusted in his wealth. And his wealth failed him. He died and went to hell to live an everlasting life of torment. The rich fool of Luke 12 told himself during the time of his prosperity, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, 
and be merry. He has no thought for God or his eternal salvation. He was a fool. He denies God and trusts in his goods. God demands this fool's life immediately. He was rich in goods, not in God. You have heard people ask, how much are you worth? This is reductionism. Man is reduced to a sum of money. Jesus said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he said, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The unbeliever trusts in money. He finds his security and salvation in money. He finds his happiness in money. More money assures more happiness. But the truth is, the rich man, the unbeliever, lives a life of worry, anxiety, misery. He lives a life of pseudo-happiness. The worries of life, deceitfulness of riches and pleasures of life choke and kill him. And he dies a miserable death. The covetous man is never happy. He's always hunting for another thousand or a million or a billion. The rich, like the people of Laodicea, say, I have need of nothing. I have money. I do not need God, yet they are poor, blind, naked, wretched, pitiful. Covetousness is an inordinate desire to enjoy more money than we have. Then God is pleased to give us in his sovereign wisdom. It is an inordinate desire to worship creature than creator. The covetous lust after honors, wealth, power, pleasure, and knowledge. He is ever grasping for more. Paul calls covetousness or greed idolatry. It is worship of the false god materialism. It is seeking happiness in stuff. Greed says old is no good. New is better. Newer is still better. More is better. Bigger is better. So he drinks more and more seawater. Love of money, brothers and sisters, is an addiction. Like drug addiction. Materialist is an addict. He is a slave. A covetous person, a money lover. In order to increase his money, he becomes selfish. He cheats. He commits fraud. He perjures himself. He steals, he is envious, he quarrels, he hates, he does violence. He wants to make another dollar by hook or by crook. Whoever loves money never has money enough. He is a slave to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of things. He is always unhappy. He cannot endure hearing of another with more money. The richest man in England is Mittal, who is from India. And there are other 
rich people, but they're all down there, <laughs> miserable. And Mittal himself is miserable because the richest man lives in Mexico. The covetous lust for his neighbor's wife and property. He ever violates the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Turn with me to Psalms 49. Six and seven, those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. It means you cannot save yourself by money. Let me read from verse 16 through 20. Do not be overawed when a man grows rich. When the splendor of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies, his miserable death. His splendor will not descend with him. Though while he lived, he counted himself blessed, and men praise you when you prosper. He will join the generation of his fathers, who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding, sir, without understanding the knowledge of God. Is like the beasts that perish. Psalm 62 and verse 10 tells us. Do not trust in extortion. Or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase. Do not set your heart on them. Wealth is uncertain riches. Solomon in Proverbs 23 verse 5 says cast but a glance at riches and they are gone for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle and Paul tells us love of money is the root of all evil it deceives people they become arrogant unless they trust in their wealth which cannot redeem them thus they reject God they cannot enter into the kingdom of God even poor people can suffer from covetousness. Look at people who abuse their credit cards. They want more stuff. They say stuff will make me happy. So they buy on credit happiness, which is torment. God commands in these verses, keep your life free from the love of money. Flee from the love of money. The ministers of the church are not to be lovers of money, says St. Paul, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 3. And St. Peter says about ministers, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. You heard the prayer of the church, Lord, keep our pastor humble. And we will help out by keeping him poor. <laughs> A false minister makes religion to increase his wealth. He preaches what people want to hear to make more money. He is a spiritual prostitute. And Jesus says three times in chapter 6 of Matthew, Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Your heavenly father knows that you need food and clothing and he provides them through your faithful labor. Let's look at some covetous people. Their life is revealed to us for our rebuke and correction, for our learning, for our warning. Balaam loved the wages of wickedness, and he was killed. 
Achan was a greedy man. He stole silver and gold that belonged to God. And he was killed and his family. Gehazi, 2 Kings chapter 5. He was not interested in the double portion of the spirit. He loved money, clothes, olive groves, vineyards, flocks, herds. And he lied for it. He wanted to be rich and famous. And he became a leper and his children after him. What a tragedy, a warning to pastors who prostitute themselves for money. Gehazi could have served God in place of Elisha and served the people. Judas, one of the apostles of Jesus Christ, sold Christ for 30 pieces of silver. He was a thief. He was covetous. He loved money more than Jesus or his salvation. And he lost his money, hanged himself into hell. He's called son of perdition. Ananias and Sapphira. Acts chapter 5. They loved money and power and position. And they lied to the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost killed them. Both of them. Covetousness doesn't help you. Demas, a fellow minister of St. Paul. And we read about him. Demas loved this present world. He became a covetous man. A lover of money. He abandoned me. He abandoned Paul and God. He abandoned the gospel. What a tragedy. Ministers, watch out for covetousness. Ahab had everything, King Ahab. But he was a covetous man. He wanted the vineyard of Naboth. And he got it. And in due time, God killed him and his entire family. David. He was a married man. He had many wives. But he became covetous. He took Bathsheba. Uriah's wife. Violated commandments 6, 7, 8, 9 and 10. David was severely punished. Adam and Eve. Genesis 3. They had everything. They were in paradise. And yet they became covetous and ate the forbidden fruit to become free of God. And to be wise. And to live a life of pleasure. They were driven out of God's presence and died. Plunging the world into sin and death. Flee covetousness this morning. Flee love of money. God commands. Save yourself from destruction. You are told, let your life be free of money. That is your character and contact. Be free of love of money. Second command, be content with what you have presently. You are God's children. You have a heavenly father. He knows your need for food and clothing. Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Jehovah Jireh means Jehovah sees our needs and provides. He who gave us existence and being will give us also all things to sustain our existence. He feeds the birds, he beautifies the lilies of the field. Therefore he will take care of us the crown of his creation. And we are God's portion. We are God's own treasure. 
and he will take care of us so Jesus said don't worry don't worry don't worry let me tell you covetousness is a child of unbelief and contentment is a child of faith in God Arthur W. Pink says contentment is a tranquility of soul being satisfied with what God has apportioned it is the opposite of a grasping spirit turn with me to Psalm 16 and verse 6 here the psalmist says this the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places surely I have a delightful inheritance we have a delightful inheritance we have God as our inheritance as our portion as our treasure what more do you want contentment is to be happy in Jesus Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly he gives us abundant life we are content because of Jesus in him we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places I say in Jesus we lack nothing to be discontent is to be sinful it is to question the sovereignty of God and his goodness Brother W. Pink says discontent corrodes the strings of the heart which is musical instrument it corrodes it a person of discontent is a person of worry he cannot sing and rejoice as Paul and Silas did in the jail in Philippi in the middle of the night A man of contentment gives thanks to God the Father in the name of Jesus Christ always and for all things. Pink asked this question. Christian, let me ask you this question. Did you give yourselves to Christ for temporal or for eternal comforts? Did you enter into your religion to save your estate or your soul? Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain he says if we have food and clothing be content therewith unbeliever seeks contentment in riches in material circumstances the stoics sought contentment in self-sufficiency in themselves irrespective of circumstances we Christians enjoy contentment in Christ's sufficiency we find our contentment in grace sufficiency not in changing circumstances and Paul speaks about this in Philippians 4 he learned to be content in all circumstances in extreme poverty in extreme plenty in all things it was a learning process for him as he experienced divine trials Finally, he arrived at the state of contentment. He graduated. And he gives us the key to his contentment. The secret of his contentment. In verse 13 of Philippians 4, I can do all things. I can abound. I can be abased. I can be extremely poor. And I can have plenty. I can do all things. I can be sick. I can be healthy. I can do all things now the secret through Jesus Christ who strengtheneth me. 
So he was content in prison, chained to soldiers. He had learned the secret. From the mouth of Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. So he says, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If God is for us, who can be against us? He saves us. No one can destroy us. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. And let me tell you, branches receives all from the vine. Vital union with Jesus Christ. This is the secret of contentment. So we are told the second commandment, be content with what you have. That is what God has provided through your industry. Working six days a week. Smarter and harder. God enables to obtain wealth. We seek not poverty, sir. Poverty is not a virtue. We do not believe in asceticism. Paul tells the thief who believed in Christ to steal no longer, but work with his hands that he may have something to give to those in need. He who does not work should not eat. My grandson quotes me on that. He wants dumb dumb, and there's a rule. What is it? You have to work. He who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. How many men live off of their wives? It's a tragedy, isn't it? He's a sinner every day. Laziness is a serious sin. A lazy person is a rebel. He opposes God's law that says you must work six days. God gives us daily bread by giving us health and ability to work with our hands. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall lack nothing because we work with our hands. Our hands are for work, not for handouts. God provides, but he does not provide for lazy people who oppose God's order to get wealth. Be content with what you have. Be content with what God has provided as a reward for our six days labor. What God prohibits here is covetousness, is love for money, not labor for money. Money is not evil, sir. And if you think it is evil, give it to me. (laughs) We need money. Jesus, even Jesus used money. And he had Judas to take care of money. We need money. Without money, we cannot live. So we work hard. St. Paul tells us in Romans 12 verse 11, not lazy in business. So we acquire money by labor. We invest money. We give away money. We use money to live and pay our bills. So we have high credit rating, but we never trust in money. We trust in Jesus Christ alone. And Job tells us in chapter 31, he did not trust in his gold. He considers that a sinful. Second, the comfort of God. We can keep these commands because God gives us comfort from his word. For he himself has spoken. 
I will never leave you nor forsake you. That is, God is our sufficiency. We can obey God's commands. Don't be covetous and be content because God himself has spoken and his word is always authoritative. Not man has spoken. Not an angel has spoken. God the Father has spoken. God Almighty has spoken thrice. Holy God has spoken. Creator of the ends of the earth has spoken. He can be trusted. He must be trusted. And then if you are Greek scholars, there is five negatives in that statement. I will never, never leave or forsake. There are five of them. Ume, ude, ume. Five negatives. And we could say this way, he will never, 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 never fail us or forsake us. And we have this song of um, a foundation. And here... We sing the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. I will not, I will not desert to his foes. Then that soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake. And here is the line. I will never, no never, no never forsake. Five negatives. This means God can be trusted. This means God is always with us. As he was with the people in the wilderness, in the pillar of fire and in the pillar of cloud. He is the good shepherd. He gives his life for the sheep. He never abandons them. He cares for them. He brings them all safely home. He shall not lose even one. He provides them with manna, water, guidance, protection. What is the comfort of God? It is the presence of God. God is with us. The greatest reality in the whole world. So Genesis 28 verse 15, go home and read. God is speaking to Jacob, the man who is running away from home. He is lonely. And God says, I will never forsake you. I'll be with you. I will bring you back safely. And he did. In Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 and 8, God is speaking to Israel the same thing. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God spoke to Joshua the same thing. I will never leave you nor forsake you. David spoke to Solomon at the end of his life. God will never leave you nor forsake you. And Jesus said, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the ages. Jesus said, I will never leave you as orphans. I will send you another comforter to be with you forever. And the Holy Spirit has come. He is with us always to guide us, to empower us. To gift us with all grace. Let me tell you brothers and sisters. Man may forsake us. Even our parents may forsake us. Our friends may forsake us. Our best friends may forsake us. Our relatives may forsake us. Turn with me to Isaiah 49 and verse 15. And listen to this language. Can a mother forget the baby at his breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. We are ever before God. God sees us every day, knows all our problems. And helps us. We don't have to be greedy. We don't have to love money. Or trust in it. Why is it? 
God is with us. God is with us. God is for us. This was Paul's secret of contentment. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengtheneth me. And he was with him in prison. He was with him in the open sea. People abandoned him. Friends abandoned him. Fellow ministers abandoned him. Let me read it to you from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 15, you know that everyone in the province of Asia deserted me, abandoned me. Read chapter 4, verse 10. Demas, because he loved this world, has abandoned me and has gone to Thessalonica. At the time of his need, nobody was there. Read 2 Timothy 4 and verse 16, at my first defense, no one came to my support. But everyone deserted me. That's what it is. But not everyone, sir. Look at verse 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Hallelujah. That's a secret, sir. Why should I be greedy and covetous when God is with me every moment of my life? In Exodus 33, Moses says to God, if you don't go with us, please don't send us there. We need God and we need his presence. And in him we have all things. Key to our Christian pilgrimage to the city of the living God is God's presence with us. So fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. He is Alpha and Omega for you. He is your Savior. He has saved you. He saves you. And he will save you. And finally, there is the confession of faith we make. So that we may confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Based on God's spoken and written word which promises his presence with us, we can confidently, boldly, courageously confess our faith in God. God's word guaranteeing his presence with us enables us to be courageous. And he uses the word tareo, taruntos. And we read this in Matthew chapter 9 verse 2. Jesus speaks to the paralytic. Cheer up! And God is speaking to you. Cheer up! Cheer up! Rejoice! Fear not! I am with you! I'll help you! I'll save you! I'll deliver you! I will not fail you! I will never forsake you! Turn to John chapter 16 and verse 33. Jesus says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But cheer up! That's the word here. That is translated confidently. Cheer up. Take heart. I have overcome the world now and forevermore. World is defeated. Hallelujah. We are set free from the world, from sin and from Satan. From hell, from death. Let us all confess this morning. First, let's all together say, The Lord is my helper. Let's say it. The Lord is my helper. The word helper is boetos. Comes from the word boeteo 
It means to run to the cry of those in danger to help. That's the word. And we cry out to God, and God runs to aid us, deliver us, and rescue us, and bring us out of our troubles, and our worries, our anxieties, our pets. The word is used by Syrophoenician woman. She cried out in a loud voice, Jesus, help us. My daughter is demonized and is dying. Jesus, help us. And he helped. Listen, brothers and sisters, in the will of his father, the son became incarnate to help us. He taught truths to help us. He performed miracles to help us. He overcame temptation to help us. He suffered the death of the cross to help us. He rose from the dead to help us. He ascended to heaven to help us. He is seated on the throne to help us. He is king of kings and lord of lords to help us. Hallelujah. He sent the Holy Spirit to help us. He gave us the Bible to help us. He gave us ministers to help us. He is looking after you, sir. And in this letter, let's turn to chapter 2. And this word is used. Boetheo. And boetheo. This is speaking about Jesus Christ. Chapter 2 verse 18. Because he himself, that is Jesus himself, suffered when he was tempted. Jesus is able, there is the word, to help those who are being tempted. Those who are crying out to God. Jesus runs to our aid. To help us. Hallelujah. And chapter 4 verse 16. Here it is. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy. And find grace to help. That is another word. Help us in our time of need. Come on over. Come. Cry out to God. And he will run. To your aid to help us. Hallelujah. Now secondly let us confess. I will never be afraid. Let's say it together. I will never be afraid. What is the fear all about? Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. It is fear of death. Jesus Christ died and destroyed death and set us free from the fear of death and death itself. Therefore, what is it? I will not be afraid. I will not be afraid. God came to Abraham in chapter 15 of Genesis verse 1 and said, Be not afraid. I am your shield and your very great reward. Hallelujah. And St. Paul says in great jubilation, neither death nor life or anything else in all creation is able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord inseparable vital union with God himself sir. and finally let us also confess what can man do to me let's say it together what can man do to me the expected answer is nothing Weak man, sinful man, mortal man. We are in God. We are in Christ. Our life is hid with Christ in God. Christ is our life. We are invincible and indestructible. Yes, man may slander us, sue us, beat us up, confiscate our property, evict us, kill us, cut us into two, put us in prison, fire us from work. So what? Neither death nor life. Nor anything else in all creation is able to separate us from God's love for us in Christ. We are united with Christ. Died with him, buried with him, raised with him, seated with him. 
We are in him. He is in us. He is the vine. We are the branches. Before a man can destroy us, he must destroy my God. An impossible task. Now let me conclude. God is with us. Let's praise God. God is with us. Jesus is with us. Let's praise the Lord. Holy Spirit is with us. Let's praise the Lord. God's people are with us. Let's praise the Lord. Yet it was not true of Jesus. His own disciple Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him three times. All his disciples abandoned him in his hour of need. Even his heavenly father abandoned him. And he cried out, my God and my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He poured out his just wrath, which was due us upon him, that God may be just in justifying us sinners. Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds have nests. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He accepts upon the cross. Because of his suffering, we shall not be abandoned. God says he will never, 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 sir, never fail you or forsake you. Which means I am with you always, 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 always with you in your pain, in your suffering. In your problem, in your troubles, in your persecution, in your darkness, in the hour of your death. He'll be with you, sir. Let every man abandon you. God's presence shall be with you. He will run to your aid. You shall never lack his help. Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. If you have not repented and savingly trusted in Jesus, you are trusting in money to save you. You are a covetous man and an unhappy man. Only Christians can be content in what we have, what God has provided. Sir, key to happiness is not greed or gold. It is God's presence and his present help. Work hard, make money, enjoy God's good life, distribute generously, and store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, which is indestructible. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us not to be greedy, but to be content, because God is with us. He is our helper. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. Therefore, O God, we abandon all fear, all misery. This morning, we trust in you. Save your people. Help your people. Teach your people. Rebuke your people. Correct your people. Train your people. That they may live a life that is pleasing in your sight for their everlasting comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Grace and Glory Audio of the sermon entitled Key to Happiness, Greed or God. Come back soon for more transforming Bible teaching from Pastor P.G. Matthews.